she's afraid that aliens are going to come for her. You don't really believe in this stuff, do you? I never did. I have two choices right now. Either aliens grabbed her and for what purpose, or someone human took her. And again, why? This is not my world, Jake. I try to heal people for a living, not find new ways to torture them. And I try to protect people. I know. I just... I don't want to think about all of this. UFOs, aliens, and... Does that mean you might believe in this stuff? As a Christian, I have a hard time believing in extraterrestrials. But? But I've never met somebody who'd been abducted before. You should talk to Pastor Omak about this. <laughs> I haven't talked to him in a while. I know he'd love to hear from you. And he knows something about this stuff. About what stuff? About aliens? UFOs. That kind of thing. Well, I appreciate you letting her stay here. I know it's weird. I'm used to weird from you. Well, this is weird even by my standards. I just wanted to say thanks. You're welcome. What if you were hunting in the woods and found a Louisiana girl who had just been dropped off by a UFO? Then you tried to help her out while reconnecting with your past and dropped into that crazy world of conspiracies and possible preparation for the end times. Will Satan, or perhaps his human agents, use extraterrestrial myths to warm us up for a tribulation. Darby Kern, writer and producer of the Jake Muller Adventures, Unidentified, and many other audio dramas, joins us to explore this challenging world from a biblical worldview. Welcome again to Fantastical Truth, the podcast from Lorehaven in which we find and explore the best Christian-made fantasy, science fiction, and beyond, we apply the meanings of these stories to the real world that our author, Jesus Christ, calls us to serve. I'm E. Stephen Burnett, and I publish lorehaven.com. I'm also the co-author of a nonfiction book about fiction called The Pop Culture Parent. How do you do, fellow humans? I promise I am not an alien, but I am a stranger in this world, and I'm not a lizard person, and this is episode 80, What If Satan Is Planning Alien Conspiracies for the End Times? We'll be talking about Unidentified with Darby Kern. This is one of our most clickbaity titles, but I take full ownership <laughs> of that uh, just so we can have Darby here. It was the only way we could attract him into this studio. Say hi, Darby. How are you, sir? Hey, I'm doing well. How are you doing? Pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, Darby and I met for the first time in Florida at the FPEA conference uh, back in May of 2021. And now yes. we get to remate for this conversation. Let's get to his bio real quick uh, before we move to the concession stand. Darby Kern, the creator of the Jake Muller Adventures, has been a restaurant manager, a medical writer, an occupational health coordinator, a pharmacist, a soda jerk, and now he is an award-winning filmmaker and the writer of hundreds of radio dramas, including Left Behind the Kids, Left Behind the Rising, Kids Corner, Back to God, Lamplighter Theater, and Heirloom Audio's The Extraordinary Adventures of G.A. Henty. He is the writer of several stories and dramas for the Abide app. He lives in Titletown, USA, where he is involved with a classical education academy and is a tour guide at Lambeau Field. How in the world did you have time for us, good sir? <laughs> uh, Lambeau Field has uh, mask restrictions right now that uh, I'm just kind of taking it easy. Okay. I've okay. cut back my availability. Well, thank you for attending Maskless Now. We are all socially distanced <laughs> and in separate recording studios, but the technology makes it seem like we're all around this one. 
mahogany table. Just imagine that that is mm. the setting for this. And we have bookshelves full of books about aliens and end times and audio drama and all kinds of things. Just imagine us in this haven of wisdom. Yes. Also imagine that we're moving to a concession stand. This, uh, this library of wisdom also has a snack booth outside. This is where we discuss all of our expectations for this episode. First, we will touch on end times beliefs, but this is dun, not the episode. Dun, dun. Yeah, I know, right? I've actually we we did a creationism episode a few a uh, few months ago uh, with Tim Chafee, and now now we're going to the end of the Bible. But we won't focus on the stuff that you would put together for a nice chart with all kinds of arrows and clouds and pyramids and things. Uh, that's a future episode. I look forward to doing that one. But right now, we're mainly talking I'll put about my chart away. Then uh, okay, yeah, just roll it all up there. <laughs> Uh, and, and, and we'll, we'll ask Darby later where he puts that upward arrow on his chart. It's a very important thing for you. If you're into <laughs> Christian end times discussion, where you put that arrow matters a great deal. Uh, this time we're more talking about, uh, the, the pre end times, or if you believe that the end times are specifically are in the future, uh, how are we going to move in that direction? And what, if any role do alien beliefs have in that advancement? Meanwhile, please leave your conspiracy theories, uh, the most dangerous ones anyway, at the door. Uh, we won't be getting into those now. Sorry about that, uh, Nephilim folks. Ouch. Christians of good faith can agree that Jesus is coming back. That is in the future. Christ Amen. will return literally and bodily. We expect that. We don't think he's already come back. Uh, I would disagree with people who believe that. Uh, he is coming back, and it's going to be amazing. And man, how much is more that are we a major to belief that, that he's come back? I mean, I know there are some like cults that believe there's, that, like, there's. In, I think in, there there is one in China a, that believes that. Oh, Darby, making into this too. Uh, there is at least one variety of preterism <laughs> that does believe that Christ returned spiritually, oh. uh, and we are actually living in a uh, allegorical or literal millennial kingdom right now. I haven't noticed that. I imagine they have some kind of loopholes uh, to explain away some of the death and suffering still going on. Jesus is a lousy ruler. I'll he's returned spiritually, way. but not physically. In that yeah, okay. yeah. He's uh, he's not a he's not a great president. Uh, Jesus. Yeah. yeah, can't even see him in Jerusalem. It's really a bummer. Uh, Christians of good <laughs> faith, however, can debate end times beliefs. Uh, that that is a shared agreement we have here, especially for those of us, <clears throat> myself, uh, who haven't quite fixed on our exact layout of the tribulation or whatever. Uh, they're secondary though. It's, it's, it's secondary belief that everybody can agree that they're secondary. And I think have a good time discussing. We can learn Let from each other fight. Yes. Let them fight. And, and for fun, this is a fun fight. This is more like a sporting tournament, uh, rather than Finish an him. war. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and of course we've already talked about aliens. Audiences love aliens. See our continuing mini series of the podcast, which we actually called armies of the aliens. I think it technically then Zach, I guess this would be part four. Or part five, I don't remember. We'll just go back to that discussion because it's a lot of fun. And we will link to those episodes uh, along with lots of other source material for this episode in our show notes for episode 80. So I'm like the fourth or fifth wheel on this bus. You've already traveled this road. Except we haven't traveled the end times part of this road. Uh, that, that's, that's where we bring you mm, in yes. because, because ah. that's, what, that's what Jake Muller Adventures is exploring. It is, yes. Our first sponsor for this episode is returning novelist A.J. Chamberlain, whose book Cain's Redemption, a new Christian thriller, just released in early September. This is the sequel to Urban Angel, and its story is as follows. Winning the battle is not the same as winning the war. Alex Masters is pursuing her dreams, and Daisy has overcome her demons, but the enemy does not rest, and he is desperate to atone for his mistakes. 
Out of that desperation, a new plan emerges that is fashioned to exploit the weaknesses of his opponents. But even as the enemy's plans unfold, so does the potential for love. This love may fulfill its destiny, but first it must survive. And for that to happen, there must be redemption. One eager reviewer, a fan of Urban Angel, said, I was so immersed in this book, I felt I was there walking every step with the characters. It made me think about my Christian faith and the way in which God is always nearby. I cannot recommend this book highly enough and eagerly await book two in the series. That fan now gets to enjoy book two, Kane's Redemption, which is available in paperback and digital formats. You can get those links in our show notes as well as lorehaven.com slash podcast sponsors. You can also explore more of both of these books in the Lorehaven Library. So Darby, we've already read your bio there and uh, previewed the Jake Muller adventures a bit. I just want to ask you more personally before we begin the real deep stuff. How did you discover biblical faith and fantastic imagination? What's your origin story? Well, you know, it probably started uh, with reading C.S. Lewis when I was a kid. Uh, you know, at least the Chronicles of Narnia. Uh, space trilogy was not as uh, formative for me. I know there's some people that would, uh, you know, start throwing eggs at me for saying something like that. I'm only just now reading it. So, well, I'm throwing eggs because you called it the space trilogy instead of the ransom trilogy or the cosmic trilogy. I'm team space trilogy, Steven. Space is not the meaning of uh, that Lewis was going for. Space <laughs> is empty and cold and void in the world of the ransom trilogy. Space is a full dynamic living place filled with the presence of Melildil, the creator. It's the field of our ball. I had no idea you were such a snob about this. I am very much a snob about this. Also, (laughs) publication order only for uh, the Chronicles of Narnia. But amen and amen. Thank you. Yeah, there we go. I forgot what I was saying now. Agreement. Woohoo. Sorry about that. Uh, Space trilogy. Yeah. I grew up on Lewis. I grew up, you know, started with Lewis. And, you know, I was at the formative age when uh, Star Wars came out. I was 10 years old. The original Star Wars movie. And all the knockoffs that came around the same time within the year or two of that, oh, including walk adventure. Well, that was a bit later, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I was in high school at that point. So, uh, really I, I missed it. I don't know what that was about. What can you tell me? Okay. Wh- one word explains all of it. Diabetes. Oh, the, the, the guy from the diabetes commercial is like the hero of that story. And oh, Wilford Brimley. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. And, and he rescues this little girl whose family was killed by the evil sorceress it's kind of more of a science fantasy and in a guy with glasses so it, uh it's funny and well i can't walks. believe i missed that yeah <laughs> that doesn't make it bad though anyway you know the like uh close encounters came out around that time and that's when uh you know everybody was kind of thinking oh ufos ufos are cool and and steven spielberg says that they're our friends and uh what could be bad about an alien you know and and uh E.T. Uh, shortly after that, and and he's such a such a cute little monster, you know. It, it really made me start thinking a lot. I, you know, I didn't really form an opinion on it. I never really seriously thought that there were aliens out there because it just somehow didn't didn't really fit what I believed about the Bible. And uh, I was raised in a Christian home, went to a church that encouraged studying regularly. And uh, really being in the word, went to Awana and, and learned a lot of verses that I've subsequently, you know, let drift from my hard drive, I guess. I just uh, figured there had to be 
you know, something about this. The church that I went to when I was in high school, we had a, a speaker named Ron Carlson, and he came, talked about different things, talked about uh, the occult, and he talked about who are the guys, the Freemasons and Mormons and, and Jehovah Witnesses and, and uh, groups like that. And he's written several books about it. Now he's with the Lord, but uh, uh, Christian Ministries International was his, his jam. One of the things in his message about the occult was he talked about UFOs. And I'd never put together a, a real UFO occult connection there at all. And that was really interesting to me that he put that together. And he, he gave examples about it. And some of them are in the Jake Muller adventure. So, I mean, I don't want to spoil too much because I want people to listen to it and, and not be like, oh, yeah, you talked about that already. There is a, a strange connection between the two that Steven Spielberg denies, or at least doesn't touch on at all, or, or anybody else, really, for that matter. When I was coming up with the idea for Jake Muller, which was a very long process, it came to me that this was a, a way that I could go that uh, would be interesting and it could really play out over a long period of time, like the X-Files did. Of course, I won't go yeah. 11 years and uh, <laughs> never give any, you know, any solid answers for anything. I thought that it could be a really interesting point of view that it hadn't been placed in front of them before. That was my main goal was, was coming up with something like that. Then I read a book by Gary Bates called um, Alien, Alien Intrusion. Intrusion. Yeah. Yes, Alien Intrusion. Steven's read that book. Yeah, yep, yeah terrific it. book. And that's, that's awesome. you know, if you, if you listen to Jake Muller, you'll get a lot of uh, the same ideas there. And you can probably see, oh, he ripped this off from Gary Bates, which I like to say appropriated. He explained things in a way it was very understandable and very clear what um, was going on in the real world. You know, not some science fiction sub-universe to what we have he's talking with real world people you know who are seeing ufos 50 times a day around the world and uh coming up with a, an explanation for it that really makes a lot of sense yeah well there's people that you can follow now that i that i interact with on twitter that summon ufos and they very much have bought into the kind of the the mashup of uh ufology like like the nuts and bolts research government documents and this right. sort of like consciousness dimension where it's that there is a metaphysical aspect to it and they don't they don't hide it you know there, there's all different kinds of people in that world but i'm glad you mentioned going back a second i'm glad you mentioned the x-files because that that's what i was going to say that is what sparked my interest in all of this growing up because okay. yeah the steven spielbergs are like oh aliens are our friends and then the Michael Bay's are like, no, aliens are going to explode everything and explosions. And uh, the <laughs> X-Files is like, mm, maybe there's something here, but it's really mysterious. And I don't know what you can believe about it. And it's kind of deceptive. And it seems to kind of drive people crazy that look into it more and more. And it's like kind of a cautionary tale in a way. And, it, you know, and it's this very cynical, which I, I have a very deep vein of cynicism. The Gen X-Files. The, the Gen X files is what it really should have been called. <laughs> and so, you know, that's kind of always been my, my background when I've looked in the UFO thing, I'm like, Oh, this is kind of interesting. And oh, our government's kind of really into this and okay. And spending millions of dollars, but uh, maybe there's uh, you know, something else going on behind it all because it, it just doesn't kind of add up exactly. Yeah. I don't, I don't think Chris Carter came up with anything new. 
and I think he he admits that. He talks about all the the books that he researched and all the ideas, and most of them we'd heard before. But he made it all pretty entertaining mm-hmm. and uh, and pretty creepy at times. But then in the end, you know, well, what's the end? I mean, season seven. I guess it's 11, still going. I, I don't know. Yeah. But you know, in the in the end, he uh, didn't really give us any answers. Right. You know, and that, that almost to seems to be the point of whatever. the show is that you can't ever know the truth, you know? Right. Right. So well, that, I, that's, that's its own worldview in a way, but yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that's, that's really, I mean, I'm a very cynical person too. I think these days, if you're not cynical, you're not paying attention, but <laughs> um, I, I think there's truth out there and I think that it's, it's available to us and has been for 2000 years at least. I seem to remember back when the X-Files was still running. And uh, as I recall, uh, the old uh, Axiom, uh, or Maxim, rather, if you either end your TV series a hero or you live long enough to see yourself remade for the streaming generation. Uh, <laughs> but back when X-Files was still on uh, network television, I seem to remember just a lot of mega church or seeker-friendly, uh, well-intended activity, because I, I think I'm, I'm not too much of a cynic there. I try not to be. I just remember a lot of X-Files-inspired uh, evangelical shtick. Uh, the the truth mm. is in their t-shirts, you know, oh, showing a picture of gotcha. the Bible, that kind of thing. Um, and and I, I view that now with kind of a mix of eye rolling and respect because I appreciate the impulse to engage with what's popular in popular culture, obviously helped write the pop culture parent. So sure. I'm into that sort of thing. But at the same time, it can get kind of cringe sometimes. And uh, and yet I think overall, it's it's worth the risk of appearing cringe to engage with that stuff because uh, at its excess, when you're not just uh, turning aliens into you know movies uh, for pure entertainment, uh, at its excess, this can become a false religion, an occult religion. It's dangerous. You were mentioning earlier people trying to summon uh, these uh, these entities. That is a Deuteronomy yeah. 18 violation on the court. Can we just throw that onto the concession stand yep. too? Do not sure. summon aliens. You don't know what you're going to get. Uh, it's like in the last battle, if even if uh, even if you're flippant about the false god that your country worships and C.S. Lewis is the last battle, even if you don't believe this Satan like figure exists, uh, if you call on his name, he might show up. You don't want to mess with that stuff. So yeah. just a bit of a warning there. Uh, we, we don't want to take that for granted. Um, but that's why we engage with this stuff and why we return to the topic of aliens. Uh, my view is more close to that of Gary Bates. And Zach and I went over this, I think, in our. Oh, one of our recent episodes about this, you know, I, I, I doubt that these entities are out there. Uh, and, uh, and, and yet if, if people are getting in touch with something, I'll, I'll bet they are actually getting in touch with something in a lot of cases, if they aren't just deceiving themselves or psychologically disturbed, uh, then it is possible that they're tapping into some dark spiritual dimension. Right. Yeah. Well, and you know, and this is really an entire worldview for a lot of people. And, uh, it was, I don't know how much of a percentage of people buy into this, but it was illustrated pretty well in the movie Prometheus by Ridley Scott, that aliens are the reason that there is life on earth, you know? And so it's, it is an entire, it's an origin story and it's an eschatology, which we're going to get into eschatology in a minute. That'll be fun. And so, and there is a sense in which you almost have to kind of respect it for what it is and, and sort of go into it with a missionary mindset of like, okay, how can I decode this? Like, very foreign view of the world and in this very foreign culture, even though it's like people I know in real life here in my country that like almost belong to this entirely different religious movement. 
but yeah, you're you're right, Darby, in that there is a crossover there, which is which is odd. And I first got tuned into that by Matt Slick from uh, CARM, uh, Christian Apologetics Research Ministry, carm.org. And he's a guy that's just written tons and tons of articles on all different like non, non-Christian religious movements, pseudo-Christian religious movements. I really got into that when I was in college and just trying to understand what were all these kind of pseudo-Christian religions I was hearing yeah. about. And, and he writes about his own experience uh, being into the occult and seeing a UFO and, and realizing the connection between the two uh, even then. And so, oh, interesting. It, yeah, so I, I think you're right to, you know, look at the, what is the connection between these spiritual beliefs and these supposed like nuts and bolts craft and how does that relate to end time stuff? So it's funny because that's one of the things that Jake Muller talks about. That's one of the things that Gary Bates talks about too, is that, uh, these, these sightings, the abductions, the, the close encounters of the, the third and fourth kind, uh, that, that are reported and frequently reported they they cross every cultural geographical age and uh and you know just just every barrier that we 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 put in place for for population except that one group has been miraculously immune from it all and that's the born again christians i mean that is telling enough by itself you know and i think about you know my best friend my best friend in the world i love the guy um, and he's, he's a, a believer, but he has some ideas that, uh, that I disagree with. And he is actually a ghost hunter in Florida. Oh, interesting. And he's a Christian fun. ghost hunter. Huh. Well, in theory, that would be the best kind of ghost hunter. Wouldn't they yeah. be running and that? That might explain why he's, he hasn't had a, a ghost experience that has completely convinced him that. It's the phenomenon is real. So the quote mm-hmm. goes to be like, oh, no, I don't want anything to do with those Jesus people. Yeah, kind of. He's he, well, he's sort of skeptical and uh, I don't, I don't want to mischaracterize him in any way. He's skeptical about ghosts or or it, or about yeah, yeah. religion or like is uh, he probably a little bit of both, but okay. more about ghosts. OK, but I, I you know, just to ask him one time where we I remember we were walking through a bookstore and uh, there was something about ghosts and he picked it up and was looking at it. And I just said, why? How come you're? How come you're so into, into this now? Because we were college roommates and he, he didn't have the same interest then. He said, well, think about it. You know, if, if I could talk to my dad for just one afternoon and mm. get a couple answers from him, my life probably would have gone a lot better. Wow. <laughs> and mm. and personal. His, yeah, his dad died when, when we were in college together and his dad was an awesome guy. So he's looking at it like that and it becomes sort of an emotional thing. Mm-hmm. He's got his PhD now in parapsychology, so he has really gotten into this whole thing. He hasn't done wow. his psychology degree, so he's not exactly Bill Murray in Ghostbusters. I, I, but, that uh, was my first reference. I was gonna <laughs> we're all playing the theme song in our heads right yeah. now. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, that would, I mean, and no, no, no unnecessary judgment on someone I don't know, but that is also a risk that Deuteronomy 18 and other biblical texts specifically warn against is the desire Agreed. to communicate with the dead. Uh, that can come from an idolatrous desire to control your environment, to bring about assurance to the future. And Deuteronomy 18 has become one of my favorite texts because God doesn't just tell uh, his old covenant people, and by proxy uh, us as well, I believe, Christians, he doesn't just tell them, don't do that, it's bad, you shouldn't, mustn't, no, yeah. no, no. 
he says, wait, hold on. I'm going to send you my final prophet. Follow him. He will give you that guarantee that you're seeking. And Christians understand that final prophet is Jesus Christ. So we don't right. need to contact the dead or spirits or, or seek omens or anything like that. Jesus will give us that assurance that we need in his good time. He can be yeah. trusted with the future. We don't need to control it ourselves. Yeah. And the, probably the only time anyone has ever uh, reached out to, to speak to a ghost that actually got the right number was uh, when Saul <laughs> went, went looking for Samuel. And uh, boy, did and he Samuel, find Samuel in a big way. And he got, re got rebuked by that you know, ghost or whatever. Yeah. yeah. It's still one of the oh, he was dead within 24 hours of scripture. Uh, cause it seems that, uh, there was an, a divine override and the, the witch yeah. uh, again, like I was saying <laughs> earlier, don't call out to the spirits. You might not like what you get. And in that case, yeah. it yeah. seems not to have been a demon, uh, but it seems to have been an actual, uh, cross eternal visitation of some kind. Very, yeah. very strange. So I, mean, I can just imagine a conversation between God and Samuel saying, you want Sam, me to do you what? Want to take this one. You, <laughs> uh, yeah. you got yeah. this. You got this. Just go. you know this guy. Go it's take it's care. A of special him. dispensation, pun unintended. <laughs> a, you don't see that happening elsewhere in Scripture, apart from apart from uh, uh, Jesus visiting with Moses and Elijah. But at least one of those had never died, uh, yep. which uh, gives rise, by the way, to the theory that Moses and Elijah will be uh, the two witnesses uh, described in Revelation. Mm. Yeah. Well, I can I can relate to your friend a little bit there, Darby, because uh, my grandfather died my senior year of college, and he was really my father growing up. I I grew mm. up most of my life without a father, and so when pops died, it, it was pretty devastating to all of us. Um, I mean, he was seventy one, so he had a, uh, a neurological like degenerative disorder, and so it it wasn't like a total surprise. It just happened relatively quick. Yeah. And so it, it left a huge hole in our family. And, uh, something I've, I've been curious about for a long time is, is the intersection of our dreams and the supernatural world, because you, you see this a little bit in the Bible and you sort of wonder about it. Is there any sort of that going on nowadays? Uh, but I had for years, I had dreams where pops was alive again, but then mm -hmm. within the dream, I would go, wait a minute, pops is dead. This isn't pops. And then it would just get really weird. Yeah. And like, and then I, I started like within the dream, I got this creepy feeling. Uh, mm. you know, if, if you've ever just had those nightmares, you're like, I think this is more than a nightmare. I, I think that there is some demonic activity going on while I'm asleep and, and whatever. And it just, and I, that happened over and over and over again for years with me. And I'm like, there, there's some clear amount of demonic deception that goes on yeah. with, with this, that, because that is such a vulnerable part of our hearts when we miss a loved one. I, I mean, I, I totally get what he's saying. Like, wouldn't you yeah. love to talk to a loved one again? Wouldn't you love to have that time with them? Now I'm also interested. Now there's a transhumanist view of this of like, well, what if you could upload your father's consciousness to, you know, an AI yeah. and, and, and then what if you could stick that AI in a robot and then you could just go visit grandpa all the time. And like, it, it's that pain, it's that sting of death that really does draw out these views. It really does create this space. I think for people to unfortunately fall into error, uh, because that oh, yeah. it is a hard burden to, to carry. Yeah. I think that, uh, you know, Satan knows how to get to us and yeah. he knows how to manipulate us and he knows what we love and he knows what we miss. You know, I think what you're talking about is, is very real. I haven't had, uh, circumstance exactly like that strangely though last night my i had a dream that uh 
my dad and I were in, in Monaco where I've never been. And my dad's been, uh, with the Lord now for about 16 years, but, uh, it was not, it was not current. It was two weeks in the future. And we were talking about how, uh, this coming Monday night, the Packers are going to get shut out by the Detroit lions. And then the week <laughs> after that, they're going to get shut out. So three games into the season, Aaron Rodgers has not scored a single touchdown. So I'm really hoping there's nothing prophetic about that dream. But, uh, <laughs> but I, you know, I know what you're talking about. I, the strangest one I ever had about two weeks after my father-in-law passed away. And he was a great guy too. Absolutely. Just stunning, spectacular man. I had a dream where he and I were in a restaurant and it was a restaurant that he and I every once in a while went to, to just sit and talk without the ladies or, or anything. And I remember in this dream, I was just inconsolable, just weeping, like ugly crying and everything. And he's sitting across the table from me saying, Hey, Hey, you don't need to cry. It's all right. Aww. I'm good. I'm mm. everything's fine and you're going to be fine. And that, really helped me turn a mm. turn a corner after he passed away and uh some other people have are probably still struggling with it but uh that to me I, you know i don't sit i don't sit there and analyze it too much and say okay that was the lord speaking to me it may have been but well, it's uh, his kindness if nothing else absolutely you know? absolutely yeah. it is his grace and his mercy poured out on me in that moment really turned turned my mind around on the, on the whole Mm-hmm. issue of him dying so wow I, I resonate with that because my dad died uh, just about six months ago uh, in march of 2021 mm-hmm. i haven't had any dreams like that uh, but i can i can start to see more from that insider's perspective what grief may be like for someone who has no hope of resurrection and oh. zach you mentioned earlier that uh, that feeling of revulsion at some sort of a counterfeit uh, resurrection mm-hmm. motif uh in your yeah. dreams and uh, whether or not there's some you know, spiritual causes, uh, bad or good behind that, it just makes me realize that Christians are trained to think in terms of looking forward to a resurrection that is real. Uh, it would seem natural that we have an uncanny valley response to a counterfeit resurrection, which I think, by the way, some of our best stories about ghosts or shape-shifting aliens or zombies or androids with the consciousness uploaded, like that just... That strikes us all wrong. Like I said, it's the mm-hmm. uncanny valley. Like, no. And it should. It, yeah. it should. Yeah. 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 This is a counterfeit resurrection. Dead people aren't supposed to come back unless they are. Uh, and, and unbelievers <laughs> don't understand that. And that leads them to seek answers in, uh, in the worlds of this alien conspiracies or ghosts or anything else. Our second sponsor is Revel Books, featuring Sean Smucker's magical realist novel, The Weight of Memory. Sean Smucker has been a guest on Fantastical Truth as well back in summer of 2020. Here is our review of The Weight of Memory at Lorehaven. What would you give for a chance to change the past or prevent it from recurring? Paul Elias is burdened by regret and the tumor that may take his life at any time. So he embarks upon a desperate quest to find a new guardian for his granddaughter Pearl in the small hometown he fled 40 years ago. But this is a novel by Sean Smucker, and in The Weight of Memory... Dark secrets lurk beneath even the most placid of surfaces. Is the ghostly woman who makes Pearl run strange errands at night merely a phantom of Pearl's imagination or something more? The story unfolds like a sleeper waking from a dream, slowly, tentatively, clinging to the hope or fear of world-ending reality. Smucker imbues his tale with characteristic melancholy, a haunted awe of lost and desolate places, but also with deep compassion for its flawed and thoughtful characters. 
In the end, however, the dream world never fully recedes, and the weight of memory may prove satisfying mainly to readers who love ambiguity. We thought this book is best for adults who wish to sink down into an imaginative and immersive reverie. You can read Lorehaven's complete review of The Weight of Memory at lorehaven.com. Just look under the reviews section. We will also, of course, have all the links in the cover. You can see that in the show notes for episode 80, as well as lorehaven.com slash podcast sponsors. So, Darby, a question for you then, as you've already alluded to this a little bit, the origin story of the Jake Moeller adventures, uh, Unidentified, which is the first uh, of this of this series. Uh, you got into audio drama, as I understand. Uh, was it starting with uh, the uh, the kids left behind, uh, which is the uh, the first time I heard your name long before we'd met? Yeah, that was the first professional job I had. Friends and I would would sit around with a tape recorder and uh, actually a, a four track mixer and uh, record some stupid little dramas and and uh, try and have fun doing that and and figure out how to mix music with it. And it was very archaic. It was it was pre digital. But uh, but we had some fun doing stuff, and uh, then um, I got uh, I got into Left Behind after the the first drama was done. I, I bought it and listened to it and thought, oh, this is this is a notch better than you know Moody Bible Institute's. It's uh, dramas. epic. It's absolutely epic. The casting yeah. is great. It is cinematic level sound and adaptation. There's no narrator. It's just a fully yeah. immersive audio experience. And they ended up doing. The entire twelve book series, one hundred forty-four yeah. episodes. Yeah, you bet. It it was exciting, and I I've been listening to the first one. I just thought, man, okay, somebody's doing it right. That's that's fantastic. And I saw the the name on the back for Gap Digital or or uh, an email address for Gap Digital. So I just sent them a message, and I didn't know who Todd Bustied was at the time, but uh, uh, I saw that he wrote and direct or co-wrote and directed it. I sent him an email, and said, "Man, you're doing exactly what I'd love to be doing." Let me know uh, what uh, what I can do. And he sent me an email back, and uh, he liked what I sent him, the script work that I sent him. And uh, a couple of years later, when they, they got around to doing the kids series, he thought of me, and he contacted me, asked me if I'd be interested, which I think I thought about for about half a second before I said yes. And, <laughs> and, uh, and then I did 72 episodes of that. And uh, when that... They needed some some help with the last two of the uh, in air quotes adult series. I always have to be careful when I yeah, talk about grown ups. The left behind adult. Yeah, yeah, it's the adult novels um, for adult. Very suggestive content. No, not really. Just just <laughs> well, stuff does get more violent though. But so that's book eleven, Armageddon, and book twelve, Glorious Appearing. The adaptations yeah. for those. Yeah, I got to work on those, and uh, that was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. I I uh, got to play with some of the the real character, like the main chess pieces in the Left Behind world. And had a good time with it. And then we finished off the kids series, which just to comment on something you just said, if I actually went through and counted, if it were even possible, I think we actually killed more people in the kids series than the adult series. So it was a pretty, pretty violent show as I listened oh, to it. That's right. Well, there's also a, a, a rather off screen uh, amputation uh, in, in yes. the kids series. Things, <laughs> yes, get, things get pretty intense. It says the kids, but it's more YA. I would say it's a little bit more yeah. YA. It's the ages of yeah. the characters. It's yeah. My oldest daughter is reading the kids series. She's like about six or seven books into it. And she's like, you know, I think I need a little break from this because we are kind of living through uh pretty, pretty intense oh, times already. About that. And yeah. like, mm. Like th- this is just, uh, I need a little break, like little, little house on the prairie or something like that. <laughs> that <laughs> 
Well, there were 48 books, as I recall, four books for each of the 12 adult books, uh, yeah. grown-up books. There I go, falling into the same trap. Yeah. Right. They've repackaged You got to do the now. air quotes. That's, that's yeah. right. Yes, definitely the air quotes. Uh, and uh, and and I, I enjoyed them, uh, particularly when they would expand sometimes on the events that the grown-up series would yeah. condense, uh, particularly... I forget which trumpet judgment it is. Uh, number two, the comet. One of my favorites. Probably a second yeah. or third place runner-up to the Demon Locust and the Demon Horseman, though. But that comet, mm, uh, it's Deep Impact time. It's so it hot right now. Happened to be coinciding with another Steven Spielberg <laughs> movie, Deep Impact, I think, which released in 1998. And then Soul Harvest, yeah. Book Four, Left Behind came out. Oh, my nerds getting all over the place here. And Armageddon uh, was in there too. Yeah, well, and it was. And um, and the um. Left Mind series just happened to cover that, which really does in, in the book of Revelation, Revelation singular, by the way, another thank you concession stand. Yeah, drives me mad, drives me mad every time. But uh, there's, a, there's a comet that splashes into the earth. I don't know what else it could be describing. And then a third of the ocean becomes blood, a third of the sea creatures die. And then presumably we have uh, tsunamis, which aren't described in the book of Revelation, but you can just guess that that causes this ecological cataclysm. Uh, book four. Yeah, book four kind of had it at the end, but I remember the the original the kids books uh, expanded on that, and then there was a more expansion in the in the kids audio drama as well. So, yeah, we we got at the beginning we were doing um, each book was three episodes. Three episodes, yeah, and we did the first uh, twenty four episodes that way. No, first thirty six episodes that way, and then there was a severe budget cut, and by the end it was it was one book wasn't ep- one episode so we're really cramming things together yeah that was amazing and and since then i think it's only been within the last year or so oh that's right yeah i went back to the family homestead and and managed to get uh, the rest of those uh, albums which i had not (laughs) heard was it the last two or three which i'd literally never heard before so i got to finish that up Oh, really? Like, okay. Whoa, we're, we're definitely moving faster here. <laughs> you could tell like there's entire road trips and like people are separated for years and then it's, it's covered in six episodes. Like, I mean, what, what else can you do? I mean, I'm just glad we got the series finished. Yeah, me too. Me too. I had a lot of fun. It was a great job. Yeah. One of the best I've ever had. As so, far as how that re- relates to Jake Muller, it just became a goal of mine to, uh, to do another action adventure oriented audio drama mm-hmm. and actually when when i first thought of jake muller it was probably a comic book idea and then i realized that even though i have a degree in art and studio arts i don't have the patience to sit down and draw you know a comic book you know with maybe 64 or even 128 pages I, there's not enough time left in my life to get that finished but uh so i thought about uh trying to write it as a movie script but then i thought who's going to make it and then it became an audio drama and, and, uh, I wrote it up and I got it out to some people on, uh, uh, one of the boards that, uh, I spend time on one of the Slack boards and, uh, they, they liked the idea. And I met Micah Touche, uh, there and he became my production partner on this project and, and, uh, he nudged me along, not always so gently. And, uh, and then he did the, the post-production on it, it was just phenomenal I, I think he did a great job oh yeah it sounds great now i can barely afford to use him again so <laughs> he's so busy he just leveled up so quickly well and, right. and i've i've of course heard uh, the jake moeller adventures unidentified and for me having uh, at least as a as a late teenager 
uh, enjoyed the, the Left Behind audio dramas, like I recognize some of the style. I mean, obviously mm-hmm. in, in your dialogue and, you know, kind of the, 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 the cracking good pace of the, uh, of the yarn, uh, but also several of the actors. Uh, you guys went back to the Gap Digital Studio there in uh, Wheaton, Illinois, and uh, there's yeah. a few veterans from the, the Left Behind series, both kids yeah. and adult version of those. Uh, Dugan Sherbondi, who plays uh, yeah. Jake Muller himself. Yeah, he was Ryan in, in the uh, Left Behind uh, the Kids. and was Spoiler he alert, was, he dies. Yeah, you know. Too early. Was, <laughs> there was a conversation that, that we had, uh, Todd and I had, where I think he read the script where the end of it, Ryan dies. and It's taken out by the earthquake, by the way. Yeah, yeah. It's a major bummer. Yeah, there's a little bit more than that, though. It's it, it's it was a slow, slow lingering death, and it was kind of painful to write too. But especially knowing Dugan was going to do it because we just love Dugan, and that was a conversation. You know, is there any way we can we can keep him alive? And I I said, well, he's dead in the rest of the books, so it is a major <laughs> formative event for the characters. And by the way, it would defeat the odds because the odds are that one, one quarter of the earth's population will be dead by the end yeah. of that uh, that sixth uh, judgment and then the stats at least so far as tim lahay and jerry jenkins assembled them uh have only 25 percent ish surviving to the physical return of christ right uh, the grown-up authors by the way stretched that by waiting until the last possible moment <laughs> to sacrifice their original four characters uh they just right. they just couldn't bear right. to let them go even though everybody else is dying around them. But, the, but the, right, right there by the end, they managed to hit their own statistic. There's only one yeah. surviving member of the Tribulation Force uh, when Christ returns physically. Well, you need to give a spoiler alert when you say stuff like that. I really you. do. Uh, let's just go back and <laughs> cut that in. Oh, I figure everybody, you know, you see left behind books, you know, at yard yeah. sales nationwide. I'd like to think that everybody had a chance to catch up. But anyway, yeah, anyway, anyway, uh, the, the, the cast is just great to hear. And then... Um, just, just Amy the Lilly kind of familiar style. Yeah, Amy Lilly, who played um, played in the in the Grown Up series, and she's fantastic. Dugan Shabani yeah. is fantastic. Nobody knows these people's names right, but they're awesome. Yeah, uh, these they're people have made me cry. Uh, Tom McElroy, who played Rayford mm-hmm. Steele, he made me cry. You, Darby, your adaptation made me cry. So thank you, wow. thank you for that very much. <laughs> well, especially with the glorious you, appearing adaptation. Yes. Yeah, that, that was <laughs> in person. That was grateful. a. a, a an amazing, amazing book to work on. And it was, you know, it was one of those that if you read the book, you think, Oh man, how do you, how do you adapt this stuff? And it was, we, we adapted it pretty straight. So I think the hardest problem Todd had was finding an actor who could portray Jesus. And, uh, and I think he made a good choice. I don't remember who it was off the top of my head. Well, he sounded like Steve green, uh, the Christian recording artist, uh, most popular during the nineties, as I recall. Interesting. Yeah, and the least, original lead memory. singer for Whiteheart, by the way. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. No, he just he kind of had that uh, that mellow, powerful voice. I don't know how to, how else to yeah. describe it. But anyway, uh, Jesus does not return yes. in the Jake Moeller adventures. But I would say this is my head canon. I would say that mm-hmm. Jake Moeller it could be in canon uh, with with the Left Behind series because we're not in the tribulation here. There's no Antichrist on this scene. We don't have judgments. Uh, this is right. a speculative uh, engagement with the possibility that Satan uses alien conspiracies to warm up to or prepare for a final tribulation period. And that's where we move into the end times portion of the podcast here. 
uh, Darby, like right down to your name. Like this is something you've grown up. You mentioned earlier, <laughs> you grew up learning uh, about, uh, you know, beliefs in how Christ will return uh, and what the wars and rumors of wars uh, might lead to and all of that. Yeah. Uh, can you just summarize real quick, like how, what's your end times chart? Like how do you see uh, these events uh, shaping out according to how you read uh, Daniel and Revelation and all the rest of it? And Ezekiel, yeah. And Ezekiel uh, well, 38, 39, you know, yeah. You you uh, you hinted at this a little bit. I actually truly was named after John Nelson Darby, who is often mistakenly uh, attributed with the the uh, creating the idea of the rapture. Yeah, we had everything going nice and well. Everybody was a non-millennialist till he got here. That's what I've heard. Yeah, that's ridiculous. <laughs> uh, because that would mean that everybody pretty much skipped John fourteen. But okay, if you want to label me, if if you have to, of course, narrow everything and stick a label on me you gotta most, you gotta hashtag it so. that's right that's right most people would say that i'm a pre-millennial pre-trib dispensationalist which own doesn't it, brother. mean that own it. I, I walk lockstep with everything the dispensationalists say off the top of my head i can't think of anything i disagree with them on but i don't agree with any one person ever about anything sometimes i'll disagree just out of spite but i would say that's what i believe i believe that uh even right now, the pieces are in place, as as Jimmy DeYoung would say, you know, the pieces are in place, the curtain's about to rise. And and we're about before that happens, the Christians are out of here. And uh, I don't think there's anything left in the prophetic calendar that needs to happen before the Christians are taken away. I think that um the rapture is a is a biblical idea i think there's examples of it and i i believe that paul talked about it quite a bit uh, examples being like you mentioned before um elijah was one of them you know enoch walked with god and was no more uh you know we have these examples in scripture of these things that uh, that happen and i believe it's going to happen on a mass scale and uh i'm not hanging around for the second bus man i'm as soon as i hear that that shofar blowing i'm going do you have the sticker glib? on your car to, to warn <laughs> other other motorists? <laughs> I don't know. No, I don't either. I, I figure, you know what? Uh, it, it would uh, if they need a near miss with a suddenly unmanned vehicle after rapture, uh, then that'll wake them up. I think that if I have vanished out of my car, a rapture style in classic manner, and the vehicle has suddenly become unmanned, uh, then it, uh, it the the guy behind me who's following too close enough to have seen the sticker if i had it uh, yeah. he needs to have a near miss with the car in order to wake him up to the reality that uh, we are now in the great tribulation and he had best get right with the lord uh, before the beast arrives and uh, all the plagues soon after so that's why i don't put the sticker on my car um right I, it couldn't but be our because, job is to do that right. before this happens we, we need to agreed. evangelize before yes <laughs> so. agreed so I, I speak, for my part, I speak fluent left behind ease, uh, as, as you've no doubt been able to tell, okay. to a fault, to several faults. Uh, but as you and I have discussed before, Darby, I've gone a little, uh, I've gone a little soft on the rapture uh, as, as we move toward whatever is going to happen for several reasons. But frankly, I've not found a better Christian in times view that I can throw my support behind. So I remain fairly agnostic. I am mainly interested in Christ's return, his physical return to earth, uh, to nuke the armies or whatever else is waiting for him. Uh, I, I, I'm 
pretty sure we'll have some kind of battle at the end. It just seems that everybody is too ornery not to oppose him when he shows up. Right. Somebody's going to be shooting at him, and it's not going to be pretty when he starts shooting back the sharp sword from his mouth described in, I believe, Revelation 19, which is the word yeah. of God. Cutting everyone apart, divine justice in its early stages. He touches down, and then whether or not there's a literal millennium, I'm not sure. But either way, I'm more interested in the new heavens and new earth that follows. Satan is really and truly banished. He's not going to come back for a last-minute uh, rebellion, uh, as far as I know. He's, at that point, he's really and truly banished. Uh, yeah. And then we are living in uh, the, the eschaton, uh, the, end, the, the very end, the paradise. Uh, yeah, new heavens the and new kingdom. Earth. Yeah, the kingdom, exactly. Capital K. Under the capital K, King Jesus. And we're going on adventures, yes. uh, discovering strange new worlds, uh, enjoying fellowship and all to the glory of God forever. So I do get distracted by that final promise. And so, you know, maybe I need to start going back and looking at the prophecy again, you know, whether or not aliens figure into it or whether there's a literal final antichrist, like all of those are completely legitimate options for Christians to have. I just find myself more interested in resurrection and the new heavens and new earth these days. What about you, Zach? Yeah, well, I was going to say, Darby, I, I came from a church in college that was uh, pre-millennial, pre-trib, dispensational. So I'm, I'm very familiar with that view. I, I still have a lot of, I don't know, I, I wouldn't say I've totally turned away from that view. It's probably not what I think is most likely now. I'm a little more on the fence with this, along with some other things. But, uh, but yeah, I, I was thinking a minute ago how, you know, there's so much good fiction for this view. And then there's obviously a lot of good fiction for the amillennial view. That's basically all secular fiction about the end times, like deep impact or whatever. Right. Um, and then there's even some good fiction for the post-millennial view. This is the lamb among the stars trilogy. My favorite Christian. Isn't that the only post-millennial fiction or or are you talking about like the preterist fiction, like a Hank Hanegraaff attempt? I I guess, yeah, I guess maybe I'm lumping those in together, but um, well, they do correlate, but they're not mm -hmm. always attached. But yeah. they, I mean, you have to put those prophecies somewhere and a lot of people uh, stick them back there uh, with AD 70, whether or not you believe that Revelation mm-hmm. was written in 65 or 95 or whatever the dates are. Well, and, you know, really my favorite uh, uh, pre-trib uh, fiction series is the Christ clone series that was written by James Bosinger. He was uh, he worked at the NSA and the DIA and he, he wrote kind of more of like a political thriller version of the end times but but it's mm-hmm. also instead of everyone disappearing from their cars they just kind of keel over adding like that it, part it, it's like everyone just has a heart attack so it it's definitely the grittier darker wow. version of left behind and i i gotta admit look i've the got Zack a pension version yeah i've got a pension for horror and, <laughs> it totally and is that kind of stuff so, in slow yeah. motion <laughs> yes and uh, oh man it's it's really super creepy i want to read that again sometime isn't but, that just a know, little bit gnostic though to imagine that it's just the souls being snatched away whereas arguably a bodily rapture uh, whether or not there's some gnostic ideas later with the resurrection you get the body snatched away without the clothes and dental fillings and hearing aids and everything <laughs> at least it respects the idea of god made the human body it's meant to go somewhere uh, metaphysically, I don't Perhaps. know how that works with the resurrection. And I, I still think that the rapture idea splits the biblical singular promise of a final one time resurrection as described in first Corinthians 15, yeah. but that's neither here nor there. The point is that I, if there is a rapture, I think it will be bodily. And I, I think it's a little weird just to imagine that everybody just keels yeah. over because their soul got snatched out by, by what dementors. Like it's just a little, it uh, hits me all well, wrong. What I have yet to find is fiction that represents my 
current favored view, which is premillennial post-trib. So the idea that there will not be a rapture, or there will not be a secret rapture, that Christians alive today, like if, if Jesus is going to come back in a few years, then, then we will be there through the entire tribulation, and then we will then be raptured when he returns. I, I have yet to find a series that reflects that. All I've, the, the only way I've been able to like find something that explores this is basically the Left Behind series minus the first That's book. what you do. You just do a fan edit. <laughs> Yeah, right. it's, it's just it's like just, it's just like a selective view of the Star Wars prequels. You just cut out the stuff you don't like, and you start in like halfway just, through book two, and ignore yeah, it's all like the with, rapture. Flashback. Like with VidAngel, you can uh, with VidAngel not only can you take out all the swearing and everything, you can actually take out all the Jar Jar scenes. And so maybe I could do the VidAngel of uh, the Left Behind series and just cut out all the rapture stuff, and then just keep watching. I actually just isn't it suggestive ahead, though that you can't find any any fiction that uh, supports it, that. It's, it's, it's too depressing, you know, really. It it really it's is. It's the narrow road. It's yeah, the narrow it road, is. and few find it. Okay, so this is so. funny. I was active because it's the saddest it's narrow view. something in the late nineties, uh, <laughs> early hundreds. I was active in the old Left Behind bulletin board. There was a bulletin board that Tyndale House Publishers set up. It was an official fan. Oh, site. I remember that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Cool. It was it was yeah. cool. It was literally probably part of my formation in getting into internet fandom because it was i mean it's a very early example of an internet <laughs> fandom and the publisher was endorsing it and uh jerry yeah. jenkins was around there uh he he liked my uh fake uh, prediction of a rapture to take place on april the 1st 2020 so you know you got to interact with the big author which is pretty fun but a lot of people on the oh. board i remember uh were into the left behind series so much and they were appreciating the camaraderie of believers and the, you know, all together with some exceptions, the singular purpose that they had in resisting the antichrist and trying to, you know, be preppers in the best possible sense for the plagues and judgments. And some of these fans were going, man, kind of a shame that we got to have a rapture first. I'd, I'd kind of like to be around for some of that. And I'm, I'm staring at my computer screen going, what are you crazy? But at the that's same the time, problem. it makes a little sense, a little bit of sense well, there. What's that, the problem? That's the concern I had with, with stories like that, whether it's left behind or, you know, a thief in the night, if you're as old as I am, or just into kitschy, bad Christian movies from the seventies. Um, you do remember? Oh man. Well, I, I, I'm aware of it. I, I, oh, okay. I, I didn't grow up with Christian media, but I have a lot of friends who did. So it's like, I've gotten a lot of this secondhand. Well, there was yeah, the song, you, I wish yeah. we'd all been ready. That's where the words came yes. from left behind. That's right. where the series right, gets right. its name, which was Larry Norman in like 1969. But, um, the problem I have with, with something like left behind is that somebody can read this. Who's not a believer and just say, well, I guess I'll wait and see to see if it actually happens. And if it does, well, then I can make my decision. And then they were cutting don't... up the series worse than Zach would to preserve his post tribute <laughs> because the series was yeah. 100% against that sort of thing. You wanted to get saved now, make your peace with Jesus and get yes. raptured was the idea. It was totally, totally part of that series. But it also, you know, you're right. You're 100% right. But it also gives the idea that if you miss the boat the first time around, you have another chance. And I, I think I don't necessarily believe that is going to be as easy as they present it in a way. I think if you actively come to a point where you have to make a decision and you decide not to follow Christ before the rapture, you know, Paul talks about the, uh, the great delusion afterwards. Yeah, I that's think right. that's part right. of that delusion is going to be that you don't need it anymore. And I, I think Satan is going to delude people completely. 
Well, and in Hebrews, it says today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Absolutely. Uh, Yeah. Because this, this may be your chance like right now. Yeah. So don't, don't wait for a imaginary event in the future or not imaginary, but don't wait for a potential future event to then potentially, you know, accept Christ, but like do it today. If if you're convicted right now. God doesn't need to prove himself anymore. Right. Exactly. Exactly. If, If he ever did. Our final sponsor for this episode is, again, the Novel Marketing Podcast. This is hosted by Fantastical Truth ally Thomas Unstadt Jr. This is the longest-running book marketing podcast in the world. So Fantastical Truth and Lorehaven fans know that we emphasize fan-centeredness. We want to approach stories uh, not necessarily from the perspective of folks making these stories, because there are so many resources about that, but to enjoy these stories, to explore them as Christians. There are plenty of other resources that address writers and the creative process, uh, including those who are doing it as, as a hobby and those who also want to do this professionally. And Thomas explores how authors can best reach their readers through the Novel Marketing Podcast and many other uh, resources that he provides. You can subscribe in your favorite podcast app or listen at novelmarketing.com. I've been listening myself to the Novel Marketing Podcast for years uh, before they became a sponsor. So I'm pretty familiar with the good stuff that Thomas is doing there. One of my favorite episodes is the Ten Commandments of Book Marketing, uh, which I think they recently just re-ran in the summer. Uh, Commandment number one, we went over in the last episode, but I especially like commandment number two as well. Thou shalt write for thy reader, not for thyself. Uh, that's the one where Thomas is sharing that Lorehaven mission, incidentally, is that a good author is going to focus on the needs of the reader. I view this as a Christ-like sacrifice. The Bible says that Jesus, in coming to earth as a man, uh, surrendered certain divine prerogatives. Uh, that is something that Christians are commanded to imitate, and I view that as something that Christian authors must also imitate. This is not an act of compromise. It's an act of service. It's an act of humility to listen to people who've gone before, uh, editors, uh, publishers, whomever, who may know a little bit more than a new author or even an experienced author, uh, what the readers will benefit from. You can get the rest of those uh, 10 commandments of book marketing at novelmarketing.com, the podcast from Thomas Simpson Jr. We will have that link in the show notes uh, for episode 80, as well as lorehaven.com slash podcast sponsors. Well, whether it was John Nelson Darby or Tim LaHaye and Jerry Jenkins and Tyndale House Publishers, one way or another, the rapture idea has gotten so popular. Uh, we now have literally secular stories exploring the idea completely void from the Christian worldview. It's the weirdest thing, but it has gained popular cultural traction. And so I, I'm with you, Darby. There's a risk that that brings, uh, if nothing else, that people will then say in the back of their minds, well, I'll wait and see if there's a rapture. And if there is, then maybe I'll look into this. But... The other possibility, which Left Behind series explored a little bit early on and and then got distracted because there's a lot more plagues going on and there's only so much time even in a 12-book series. There was an early idea as voiced by Antichrist Nikolai Carpathia in (laughs) the book one and then obviously also in the the kids Left Behind series. And that's where we get to Jake Muller too. There's this idea that people will explain away the rapture with some sort of extraterrestrial notion. Oh, yeah. Uh, aliens yeah. took the people away, uh, whether mm-hmm. it's bad aliens or good aliens or what. Uh, and then, you know, in, in the Left Behind series, uh, there's just a lot to do. And we kind of gently move on from the idea of people trying to explain the disappearances. Yeah, um, I, that, I had a lot of fun with that in the kids show. Yeah. Oh, too. yeah. Yeah. Because there's there's room to explore. I mean, you get a spinoff series like that and there's room to expand on those things and still be faithful to the canon. 
But yeah. that, that to me, just as a nitpicky fan, I was thinking, well, wait a minute, you know, shouldn't we have like some kind of, like you said, the grand delusion uh, to, mm-hmm. to promote a lie? Like, don't we need a grand lie settled upon by the world government about the aliens or whatever taking away these people? And now we need to rally behind this singular charismatic global potentate in order to keep it from happening again. Wouldn't that be the lie? And so, you know, yeah. I get into the end time speculation like anybody else, and I still think that that's the strongest possible explanation if these events happen literally. And so that's what Jake Muller does is kind of explain, as many Christian writers have, how this idea could come about, how the alien notion could feed into the end times. Right. And, and Jake Muller broadly is about spiritual warfare. The, uh, the next story that we're going to do when we are funded, um, which <laughs> at the rate we're going might be a while, but, uh, the next story is, is about a different subculture. It's actually about a vampire subculture and, uh, and explores what, uh, you know, how, how Christians view blood and, you know, what is, what does a blood atonement mean and blood sacrifice mean that's investigated in there. The next story is, is about zombies. And, uh, you know, and, and I, I was talking to somebody who I was hoping would kind of pick up the series, pay for it and, and let me write it and direct it. And, uh, and he said, well, you know, how do you do vampires and zombies under a Christian umbrella? And I said, well, it's not that hard because there's no such thing as vampires and there's no such thing as zombies. So obviously it's, it's something other than those things that is going on here. And, and that's, you know, I want to expose that kind of thing. But at the same time, I can't deny that, you know, in a city like Chicago, where the second story takes place, there are a huge number of people who indulge in a vampire subculture. Oh, there are. uh, And, and it is, it is absolutely demonic. And, uh, you know, with, with the tantric energies and things that they, they feed on, there's my air Mm. quotes again, they feed on this stuff. And you can't look at this stuff and say, okay, that's safe for a Christian to hang out with, you know, with, with that kind of subculture. And that's what Jake Muller is all about. It asks the question, what should a Christian think about a UFOs, B vampires, C zombies. Uh, the cloning is, is going to come into one of the stories. I, I mean, I have this, as I look up, I, I have my whiteboard with all my Jake Muller ideas and things on there. I have probably 14 different ideas <laughs> and I'm, I'm looking to raise money for the second one right now. So I hope I get to all those, but dinosaurs, werewolves, ghosts. We talked about, you know, uh, ghosts and ghost hunting, you know, the golem, um, mm. you know, Eastern religions and spiritualism, even Bigfoot. I'd love to do a Jake Muller story with Bigfoot. That'd be awesome. You know, is something out there? Well, y- yeah, probably. What is it? I don't know today, but we'll, you know, figure that out. I'll do some research on it. And, you know, I, I just, what should a Christian think about these different things though? And with UFOs, when I started talking to people, uh, most people said, I hadn't really thought about it. In fact, when I talked to my dad years and years ago, I said, what, you know, what do you think about UFOs? And his response was not much. And, and that was the end of it you certainly don't hear this, you know, preached about from the pulpit, uh, anymore, you know, if you ever really did in, in many churches. So the idea was let's get a conversation going about, uh, these different things. 
And that's what I, what I love about some of the, you know, when we were at Realm Makers at, or, or at the, the Realm Makers uh, at the bookstore, bookstore in Florida. Yes. Yeah. You know, looking around so many different uh, um, creative ideas that Christians are writing about different things, whether it's fantasy or science fiction, you know, but from, with, a, with a biblical worldview rather than, you know, the Philip K. Dick. All right. Can I put, you know, a, a human intellect into an AI? you know, and, and, you know, that kind of thing. Um, Christians are doing this stuff now. 25 years ago, a friend of mine tried to publish a book or get a book published. That was a fantasy book. And all the Christian publishers told him his story was too weird because there was a floating sword that glowed that wouldn't even turn ahead these days. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Folks are a bit more open-minded in a good way. Well, we have a book with the floating hand writing on the wall. You know? uh, that's true. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yes. Stuff, stuff floats in the Bible, including at the rapture, uh, human beings. That's uh, right. W- whether they're floating up through the air, literally, or going into some pocket dimension where heaven is like, there's all, there's room for biblical speculation there. And yeah. I- I'm glad to hear that, uh, if Jick Muller keeps going. Uh, it's not just going to be aliens he's investigating, but all of these other things that people will use as either a fun Halloween decoration or something worse, <laughs> uh, something more perverted. Like yeah. the idea of the zombie, like we were talking earlier, is a counterfeit resurrection. Uh, and the, yeah. the vampire is a counterfeit sacrifice. Uh, Leviticus yes. literally warns against consuming blood because the life is in the blood. Uh, mm, even yes. with your animal sacrifices, you were not allowed to do that. Uh, yeah. Blood is very important in the Bible. You you don't treat that casually. You don't spill it casually. Uh, if you do, then you may need to pay with your own life. Yeah, uh, that is stuff that. Yeah, I, I don't hear sermons about it, but I think that it's best explored through stories. Uh, and I, I don't see a lot of even Christian stories exploring some of these some of these themes. And and if they are, it's more from a a secular fun fun vantage uh, rather than trying to compare contrast them with the biblical worldview. Yeah. It's, it's funny. Cause I, I remember a few years back we were doing, uh, I go to a very small assembly out in the hinterlands of Wisconsin. And, uh, a few years ago we were doing a VBS where one of the songs that was part of this VBS program was, was, uh, there's power in the blood. And, uh, we got this CD so our kids could listen to it and figure it all out and didn't have to read music and all that stuff. But, uh, I was listening to these kids little kids singing this song and it first it sounded to me like a bunch of uh you know kids in uh alabama sitting on a porch you know with with uh coveralls ripped up and everything it was it was a very bluegrass version of the song but i was listening to the words and all i could think was if a non-christian heard this stuff somebody who really had no idea what we're talking about artistically heard this they would think we're the weirdest bunch of people in the world you know, have you been washed in the blood of the lamb? Mm. It's a crazy I- idea, but artistically it works for us. Practically or rationally, you, you hear that and think, okay, these guys are weirdos. I don't want to have anything to do with that. Well, that's nothing. We have a savior who said that unless we eat his flesh and drink his blood, his blood. metaphorically, yeah. metaphorically, yeah. you will not enter the kingdom <laughs> of heaven. Protestant. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But very, we're, we're very Protestant here, regardless of our end times beliefs. Uh, well, right. may, the day may come and we have a Catholic on who explains transubstantiation to us and the metaphysical etc but uh it is not this day um What's to explain yeah oh well, that's true uh, zach you had you had a few thoughts about um you sent us some notes about uh, how ufos could feed into uh, a literal end times uh mm-hmm. schedule 
I wonder if you could go over those real quick and then we just uh, finish off by, by a little final speculation about how this could lead up to a, a literal tribulation. Yeah, there's a couple, there's about four different theories I've kicked around, like what could explain the UFO phenomenon. You know, it's interesting you, you said how you asked your dad, what do you think about this? And he says, I don't. And that's the, that's the same exact uh, conversation that was had by someone in the Pentagon and this, uh, this Pentagon uh, official or analyst, whatever you call him, Luis Elizondo, that, that became the head of the Pentagon's UFO research program. Uh-huh. called ATIP. He was asked, what do you think about UFOs? And he says, I don't. They said, okay, you're, you're hired. You're the guy for the job. <laughs> <laughs> so it's very interesting how they, they took that same approach. They, they didn't want healthy anyone. skepticism. Yeah. They, and he was a uh, counterintelligence uh, agent. And so he, he was used to, you know, trying to decipher, you know, all the activities of the enemy of terrorists and by uh, the clues they left behind and stuff. But, uh, you know, ever, ever since that came out a few years ago, I'm like, okay, what is, what is behind this? I mean, our government has been interested in this since the forties and there was the project blue book, but more recently mm-hmm. there seems to be a real, I mean, they're, they're putting tens of millions of dollars into this. So they, they obviously think something is there. So, you know, obviously there's all the mundane human explanations or, you know, the bond villain one is my favorite one, Right. but the, uh, you know, the, the supernatural explanations it, it or the. I guess paranormal ones are I, I think the the first one we kind of talked about is that there is an intentional element of deception behind this whole thing that will be used to explain away the rapture. I I think that's a very common view among Christians. I think it's a very plausible view. So this is a pre-trib rapture because there's not time enough to explain away the rapture right. if it's post-trib. The, the, okay. Right. So this would have to be a pre-trib yeah. kind or, of thing. Or, 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 or mid-trib if you wanted to include our mid-trib yeah, brethren. I mean, it, it also could be like uh, even, even for a post-trib view, it, it could work because, you know, the aliens are the ones responsible for all the, the plague judgments. And so the aliens sent the comet, oh, the aliens sent the demon locusts, you know, well, they so are the demon sort of the way to, or the horsemen. Yeah, yeah. There you go. It's the powerful deception that Paul talks about is that there is such a thing as alien spacecraft when it's all, you know, this projection by, by the enemy. Um, the second one, though, that I, I kind of like this one is that UFOs are are the scout ships for the the demon locust mothership that come that drops into the earth on Revelation nine. So there's obviously a lot more sci fi. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm down for that. I'm down. For Sounds that. a little Scientologist to me, but OK, yeah. <laughs> a, a little bit. But, but you've got a yeah, hollow. No, no Zenu involved. You've got yes. a biblical hollow earth <laughs> theory as in Godzilla versus Kong and other fine uh, quality stories. You've got a hollow earth theory right there in Revelation nine uh, for the fifth trumpet judgment. You've got the demon locust coming up out of out of the out of out of hell out of uh, sure. some cave like a or a, pacific rim yeah mm-hmm. or frank peretti's door in the dragon's throat um I'd, I'd like to think that yeah maybe there's some sci-fi explanation behind that if it turns out to be a a literal event but but then i, I for my part and i'll let's keep going zach i just i just i think that it's more if, if this goes on it's more about demonic projection um illusions or just a mass delusion spread by word of mouth augmented by uh, the the Antichrist or the false prophet because it's the false prophet who does a lot of the talking if you read Revelation thirteen. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now my third and fourth theories here um, are answering the question: Okay, if if there is something real to the UFO phenomenon, why is it so elusive? You know, why has there not been a 
uh, UFO Pearl Harbor or UFO 9-11? Like what, why have, if these are like hostile beings or something, why have they, you know, not, uh, shown up in like, a, why are they not laying on the white house lawn? And that's kind of what the second theory says, well, they're scout ships. So they're trying to stay hidden. But the third theory here is that UFOs are again in the demonic realm or the supernatural realm. And they, the, the sightings are kind of accidental. And so that that's why they fly away. Like so famously, the the Navy pilot that like encountered the Tic Tac UFO in the Pacific Ocean and kind of like had this little dog fight with it, and then it flew away, and then it, they didn't see it again. So the demons you know, are going, they, oh, whoops, too early. Yeah, right. Uh, you weren't supposed to be here, and so they are they are under some sort of restriction in that when in the Book of Job where God lays out the the permissions and the restrictions on Satan the when devil he's tormenting is God's Job. Devil. Yeah. Mm. As if they're so, being restrained. Yeah, like as if they're being restrained. Hmm. And so hey, the, that the, the demonic deception that's inherent to this is that is the mythologies that's being built up around them. So there there are quite a few of these that you can find that, that people are saying, Oh, these are interdimensional beings and you know, this, that, and the other. And so it's it's those mythologies that are being built up that are the real deception, that they aren't necessarily intentionally doing that, but like human beings, like we're, we're idol making factories. And so we, we create religions based on all kinds of things. And sure. the famous example is the cargo cult. So this was this remote Island in world war II that saw these cargo planes fly over and they'd never seen planes and they mm-hmm. never really had contact with the outside world. I, f- I forget which Island this was, but they developed this entire religion based on these planes. And so you got to, you know, and whether demons were a part of that or not, like that is the, demonically inspired sinful nature of creating gods out right. of out of nothing. But the fourth theory is that UFOs are some kind of extraterrestrial biological beings that God created elsewhere and they don't really have much of an impact on human history or they have no more consequential impact than like you know the 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 Spanish coming to invade the Aztecs or Columbus coming to new, new world and so there may be a small part of our history, but nothing consequential, nothing that's really going to show up in the end times or anything. And so that that's kind of a want want kind of view, you know, like there's nothing uh, spectacular that'll happen, but they are just other things that God has created that have some interaction with us, but nothing, uh, nothing substantial. So those are a couple of the views I looked at. That's a little bit closer to Lewis's ransom trilogy view there. Is right. That- yeah, these, that's these a good way of saying out there it. That's somewhere. a space yeah. trilogy, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Same thing. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Darby, earlier you mentioned the restrainer. Uh, the Apostle Paul writes about this mysterious restraint that is taken out of the way in the end times, only after which uh, the, the Antichrist can arrive. Do you, do you want to expound on that? Well, the, uh, the idea that the, the popular version of it is that uh, when the Christians are taken out of the world, there is something that had been restraining and keeping the full effect of Satan and, uh, you know, the Antichrist that is now no longer restrained. And so we get the, we'll get that full effect in the world during a tribulation of what, uh, what Satan can do when, when no one's blocking him. Some people think it's the Holy Spirit that's being removed. Let me preface by saying I don't know, but I'm, you know, left behind to make a good case that that's not what it is because there's still people who are coming to salvation 
through the Lord Jesus yeah, during the tribulation. There's 144,000 witnesses who may be literal from the Just for starters. Yes. Yeah. And they're, they're described pretty with some detail. So I, I don't think, you know, it's, it's a figurative group of people. I mean, they're, they're male Jewish virgins, uh, you know, which it's, it's kind of, you know, if you're just going to say there's, there's 144,000 of whatever, you know, then you can, then you might be able to say, well, you know, who knows what it is, but he's pretty specific about how he describes them. So I think that is a literal group of people. And I, I subscribe to a pretty literal interpretation of the Bible to begin with. Uh, so I'm, I'm one of those, you know, <laughs> one of those people that not everybody likes. Uh, thank God for <laughs> you, brother. That's, uh, that's my story. I'm sticking to it. It's not my story. It's, it's his story. I'll stick to his story. Oh, but the, the overall meaning of the restraint taken away is that whatever, whoever that is, after that, the devil can go wild. Uh, he's, he's gotten all of these conspiracies or false religions in place. And then once the church is evacuated, uh, then you can go nuts with the end times and you can explain things away with aliens or monsters or whatever. Um, right. it, do you think that that is a possibility? Uh, whether, I mean, it wasn't so much in the left behind series, but Jake Moeller kind of, uh, uh moves a bit in that direction. Like what, what's your theory? It's yeah, it's always a possibility. One, one of the things I've learned since, uh, uh, since left behind is that whatever God comes up with is going to be so far removed and better than what we can come up with our puny minds. Mm -hmm. I mean, you look when, when left behind was written and even when we were making the audio dramas, which was pretty much along the same period of time, we couldn't have imagined the world that we're living in right now with, uh, just the, the, the internet being uh, you know, a force the way it is. Even something like Facebook being being such a uh, you know a driver for society and how we behave and how we treat each other, um, just we couldn't we couldn't have imagined that it would be so easy to call someone across the other side of the world an idiot. But you know now we can do it at the you know couple of keystrokes. But and I'm not saying that's a good thing or we should do it. But I think that uh, you know we whatever whatever God comes up with is going to be so much better than anybody could, could write about. Amen. And I mean, I have, I have ideas in my head for different, you know, end time stories. And, you know, there's a story that I, I really honestly started probably thinking about in the early 1990s before I even read left behind. And, uh, and it was, it involved, uh, building up to the rapture and, uh, and the things that were going to happen. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm almost ashamed to say it, but one of my ideas was that a terrorist group was going to, or maybe, maybe, maybe domestic terrorists was going to fly a plane into the United Nations in New York mm. and destroy it. And that was going to really disrupt the, the world powers in a lot of ways as they moved to Vienna after that. So, you know, now, I mean, would I, if, if I kept going with Jake Mueller, would I even throw that into the, into the mix? I don't even know that you need something that big anymore, you know, because, because a germ is now going around and stopping society dead. Don't get me wrong. I know we, you know, you said, leave these theories at the door. I am not saying that getting a shot or getting anything is the mark of the beast. In fact, I'm going to say it is not, it yeah. is clearly not. Right. No, I'm with I, you. It's, it's so much more 
interesting than a lot of the other, you know, fictional things that we've come up with. We live in a fantastic world created by a fantastical God. And, and the story he is telling is always better than what we could come up with and what mm-hmm. we could theorize that it would be. Naomi and I talk about this a lot when you look at how um, people were arguing about Jesus. Like, how could he be the Messiah? Like, how could he be the Messiah? Messiah is not from Nazareth. Wait, he's from Bethlehem. Wait, no, he's from Jerusalem. Wait, he's from Egypt. Egypt. Like, what? Yeah, yeah. And like, you know, they're always like trying to piece it together where the Messiah was going to be from. And, and it's like, we kind of do the same thing today with like, I mean, I love talking about end times, but it definitely can like sweep you away into thinking like, well, I, I've got to get this figured out. So I know what's going to happen, but it's like, right. you know, God, God is, he's, he's, te- he's the one telling the story. Like we are characters in a sense yeah. in the story he's telling. And our salvation does not depend on which eschatology, eschatological right. view that we hold. Right. It just Amen. doesn't. It's yeah. by, by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone. You can figure out the rest of it later or not figure it out, you know? Right. Well, but, I, I feel encouraged by that because as I said earlier, like I, I've just stopped trying to figure it out. And I don't even like that. I'm not saying that my view is more spiritual. Like I admire the folks with their charts, you know, who are digging in deep and trying to figure out what's literal, what's dedication. symbolic, all of that. Yeah. And that is dedication. And, uh, you know, and the more cynical side of me thinks that if Christians were not doing this, studying these things in good faith, we might be getting into even more trouble over social media, arguing with each other about other things. And that makes me wonder, like, right. was end time study a form of restraint against Christians yelling at each other about other <laughs> issues? Maybe we needed this distraction. And then ultimately, like you said, we would all be surprised when the actual true story uh, came to pass. And then we'd look back and go, oh, now I see how it all fits together. Right. And that's, I think ultimately that's what's going to happen anyway. But, you know, we are admonished, you know, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. That is what we are told to do. And so I think we need to understand these things. You can also make a case that, you know, between quarter and a third of the Bible is prophetic or was when it was written. So to ignore prophecy, I think, is as big a mistake as, as putting too much into it. It's like the number of the beast, okay? I've been reading a lot about this lately because of something that I'm working on. And uh, just doing the research, nobody will, will say, I mean, I wouldn't trust anyone who did, but nobody will say, okay, I know exactly what the number of the beast is. You know, and in, in Revelation 13, it says, let him who has, un- has understanding calculate the number. And it's one of those things that until it happens, until he is revealed, we're not going to be able to figure it out. But afterwards, you'll be able to say, okay, gotcha. That makes perfect sense. Mm. But in in my view of eschatology, I'm not going to be here anyway. So (laughs) that makes sense. I'm not going to worry about it. That makes sense. She code. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that is just a great way to approach it with with that kind of humility and particularly making sure to keep those secondary issues secondary, but not dismiss them. Uh, it's still right. valuable. You know, Christ commanded his apostles and I think by proxy also commanded us uh, watch. I, he urges people to watch uh, and, and yes. whether or not these are future readers in the tribulation. Uh, surely there was immediate application for his immediate listeners. Uh, who needed to watch when the Romans are about to invade Jerusalem. 
But mm-hmm. I don't know if that warning stops there. Uh, it seems to be an overall encouragement for the church to watch the skies, to always be looking forward to his coming, uh, but then also being aware of those uh, of those warning signs as we move uh, toward mm-hmm. them. Uh, Zach and I actually alluded to that in the title for our last episode, The Wars and Rumors of Wars. Mm-hmm. And fantastic stories, in addition to studying uh, biblical prophecy, can be a great way to train our heads and our hearts uh, to watch for those things. And ultimately, it is all about looking forward to uh, not the Antichrist to fear him uh, or aliens uh, to to fear them, uh, but we're looking forward to the return of Jesus to worship him. Uh, what happens before then, we don't quite know yet, but uh, it sure is going to make for some great uh, historical end times fiction when we're finally safe and secure in the new heavens and new earth, and we've got time to do that sort of thing. Yeah, we know who wins, though. Yeah, we do. <laughs> we do. Which uh, is I, mean, I recall we do now, but as a line frequently mm-hmm. from uh, from the Left Behind series, and uh, and I can't think of a better way to end there. Uh, Darby, where can people keep track of your work and uh, get more of the Jake Muller adventures and order a copy of that audio drama? The Jake Muller adventures. You can go to www.jakemulleradventures.com, and you can. Uh, uh, purchase a download or a CD there. I'll give you a code you can put in the show notes for a discount on that. You can get 25% off a CD or a download. Let him who has wisdom calculate the number of the discount code. (laughs) (laughs) If you're really, really bored and you want to find out who I am and what's going on, you can go to www.darbykern.com and, uh, there's an old picture of me there and it's got some pictures of uh, projects that I've worked on all of which I'm very proud of. And, uh, I think they're all commercially available as well. So you can check those out. Left behinds on there. Left behind the kids is on there. Lamplighter theater. I did one for them and, uh, heirloom audio. I've written three scripts for them. Two of them have been produced so far and they're pretty good. The third one, of course, I have to say this. The third one, which hasn't been produced yet, is the best of them all. Maybe one of my favorite things that I've ever written. And tell your friends about the Jake Muller adventures and uh, have them buy it too. If we raise enough money, we got more adventures coming. The script is done. The cast is ready to go. Awesome. Sounds like an accurate prophecy to me. Darby, it's been great to have you at last. <laughs> we will look forward to having you back. And of course, in the New Heavens and New Earth, uh, we'll go over everything that's happened and figure out who was right and who was wrong and who was way off. I look forward to it. I don't think we're going to care, but I'd love to have that conversation. Probably not. Probably not. All right. Godspeed, brother. (laughs) Thank you so much. You too. Thanks. Thanks, Darby. We have several dispatches in the comm station for this episode, but because the discussion ran so rightfully long, we will save those hopefully for the next episode topic to be announced. In the meantime, what are your thoughts about aliens? Audiences love aliens, alien conspiracies in the end times, end times theories, audio drama. This episode had it all. You can feedback on any of those topics by emailing podcast at lorehaven.com. You can also use the feedback form at lorehaven.com slash podcast, where you will find all 80 of our episodes so far. Or find us on the socials and send us a note that way. Search Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for Lorehaven. We should be the first result you see. Meanwhile, regardless of where you put the arrows on your end times chart or whether you expect the Antichrist or alien conspiracies to come before Jesus returns to earth, make sure that we are longing 
for his coming, especially in a pandemic era when there's lockdowns and controversies and all of these things. Let's look forward to him actually returning to make all things new as we continue to seek and find his fantastical truth.